Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Are you packed? Ish. Remember when we were like, oh, like we were coming back from Seattle and we're like, oh, for the Inch Festival. And Seattle was like in January, right? It was in January. Seattle was in January. And we're like, oh, we have we have many months to go. But you know what? We're going to be p- packed a month before. We're going to have everything ready to go. And alas, I have a half packed suitcase. I finally figured out my shoe situation. Um, oh, and you. nice. Yeah. You? Oh, no, I haven't started. <laughs> so I have to, that is my big push. I had to wash a couple of things. There was no way that I was going to be packed a week ahead of time because I, I wear the clothes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Incidentally, so, that's a really cute shirt. Thank you. I know. I was thinking, I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, maybe I should wash this and wear You should bring that. That's <laughs> really you should bring it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, try, so and, and here's what I've heard. I was just talking to somebody last night who lived in Kansas who has family in Kansas. And he said uh, it could go either way this time of year. He said it can be very cold or very hot that you have to plan for it. And I don't know if you saw the note that came from Hannah saying layers because it can get chilly at night. That's why I wanted to bring two suitcases, a big one and a small one, because I thought, oh, it's going to be more than 50 pounds if I try to bring different things, things. you know. Mm -hmm. I um, scoped out that there is a that there is a Walmart (laughs) in town. So I was like, that's my strategy. So if I need something, I'm going to. uh, But they also have the thrift stores, right? Yes, they do. Yes. Okay. Thrift stores. So like, so yeah, so I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. okay. Something more than I'm, uh, I'm prepared to, to, to pay that extra for that extra suitcase on the way home if I need to. But, um, but I'm going to roll the dice right now and and think that uh, I I have, I have, bought a suitcase at a thrift store before extra things (laughs) so yeah so we're getting ready to go to the william inch theater festival in independence kansas this week which is very exciting and what's most exciting about it is that uh tori you and i will be participating in what is referred to as the tya track right where we will be get getting to hang out with idris goodwin super excited about that We'll be doing some <laughs> we'll be doing some workshop stuff and having conversations with other TYA theater makers. And I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun. What are you most looking forward to? I yeah, I don't know if there's one thing that I'm most looking forward to. It's a bit, well, no, that's not true. Here's what I'm most looking forward to is being in person and connecting in person with so many of these people that we've had conversations with um online, you know. Yeah, getting getting and uh, being in a theater space, watching new work, um, celebrating Lynn Nottage. You know, that's why that's why I paused, because I don't know if there's one thing. It's yes, it's so it's multiple things that I'm just I'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to do this. Absolutely. And I am thrilled to to continue having conversations about TYA. You know, that's what I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So today's guest 
is what I would refer to as a stalwart of theater for young audiences. Is that, do you think that's okay? Is it, would you, would you, would you say so? I just, I think the, the scholarship, the activism and the work as a playwright that this individual has been doing is profound, necessary. And so we are so excited that he has agreed to be on the show. And we're so excited to be um, sharing this episode with you as we are getting ready to, to talk more TYA in person with other theater makers and theater lovers at Inge. Our guest today is Jose Casas. He's a playwright, director, and assistant professor who heads the playwriting minor in the Department of Theater and Drama at the University of Michigan. So he is working on many books, as you will hear today, but... The book that you can get right now is Palabras del Cielo, an exploration of Latina Latino theater for young audiences. It is a collection of essays as well as plays, Latinx plays. Um, this book is amazing. It is like almost 600 pages of text, but it is worth every penny and it is available on dramatic publishing. If you're interested in diversity, inclusion, representation, and equity a.k.a. Dyer, you'll learn more about that as we have this conversation, you should get your hands on this book. In the meantime, let's hear this fabulous conversation. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Jose. What's up, what's up? <laughs> ah! So excited. Legendary. I'm going to say legendary because wow. I feel, you know why? Because this is a what I'm considering to be a seminal text. Oh, in TYA, and people can't see what this is, but it is a anthology called Palabras del Cielo, an exploration of Latina all theater for young audiences, compiled by Jose Casas, our guest today, and edited with Cristina Marin. So we're going to talk about that. So let's just start with the beginnings. Um, tell us. Uh, we see that there is a a little typewriter behind you, <laughs> but you did mention that that was the first typewriter that you yeah. owned and you picked it up in high school, but theater was not a part of your world no, at that time. At so tell us, how did you, how, what was your journey into theater? Uh, cool. Um, you know, like I said, my entire life, um, all I want to do was be a politician and a lawyer. And I had dreams of being the first Chicano governor of California. And that's all I wanted to do. And, um, and for me, the arts, especially with immigrant parents, wasn't an option for a career. And the arts to me was only what, whatever, at the movies or on TV. And, uh, you know, so I get to college. And if you would have told me my first day of college, I would have gra graduated with a degree in drama. I'd probably say something ignorant, like, hey, man, I ain't gay. I ain't doing that shit. And, um, and so I went to school at UC Santa Barbara, which is very white and rich and on the beach. And it just felt like when I got into the pre-law program, Everyone wanted to be a corporate lawyer or an entertainment lawyer. And there was really very few discussions about justice and social activism. And I got disillusioned and I was taking writing classes, uh, English ones, not even drama, English classes for my my electives that I had to take. And, you know, and my teachers would say, you're really you really write Well, even my friends were like, dude, you're really good. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. And took a few more classes and people kept uh, saying things. And I remember this very succinctly. And this is the eighties um, when AIDS was a different world that like, you know, it, you know, when your friends had that first lesion, you knew what was coming. And I was taking a biology class called AIDS and immunology. 
And our professor let us write a paper from whatever perspective we want to. And for some reason, I wrote a one-man show about this dude in his last year of life dealing with AIDS. And I'd never even seen a play, but for some reason, I just felt compelled to do that. And so I'm turning in my final and I'm praying I'm not flunking into the bio class. I really liked it, but it's just really hard, uh, but I loved it. And so there was still about half of the class uh, working on their finals. And I give her my final and she looks at me and has me back my paper and she bursts out in tears. And I'm like, oh, shit. And my classmates are like shocked. And I'm like, look at them. I don't know what I did. And she's like, um, you know, why did you decide to write this play? I'm like, you know, I think we lose the human side behind the statistics. And that's why I did it. And and it, obviously it, no one had ever done a paper like that in her class. And so she's like, I made a copy for my daughters. And if you don't mind, I made a copy for every professor in the biology department. I'm like, all right, whatever. And she's like, Jose, remind me what your major is. I'm like, pre-law and poli-sci. And she's like, if you've learned anything in my class, it's says you're in the wrong major. You're a writer. And so I was dwelling on that. And then one day, me and my my roommates were in the living room. I did this little like ceremony. I put English and drama into a hat. And I say, whichever one I pick out, that's the major I'm going to switch to. And I picked out drama. And then the next day, I changed my major, like I said. And it, it was just like, weird. I've never seen a play before. And here I am. And so... I'm like, oh, shoot. And for the longest time, it probably at least 15 years, if not more, every year I would ask, should I go to law school? Because um, I'm poor and I'm in debt. And um, and then especially since, you know, when I told my parents I was switching, it was right when I'd gotten accepted into law school. So they were not very happy. And uh, but eventually, you know, I realized that that um, what I'm doing in theater what my goals are in theater are exactly what I wanted in law. It's just in theater. But the, the the intentions and the inspirations were exactly the same. And so that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. And in terms of TYA, um, if I'd gone to a different grad program for playwriting, I don't know if I'd be writing TYA. Arizona State, with their program and my friends, they would always encourage me. So, yeah, if I hadn't gone to Arizona State, I'd be a playwright. I just don't know if I'd be writing TYA. So then can you talk about what, TYA means to you or what it is to you? It's very interesting. Um, so when I was at Arizona State, my friend like, yo, Cece, you need to write a play, TYA play. I'm like, fuck you. I'm a real playwright. I'm writing for adults, all right? <laughs> and um, then they finally convinced me. And so my thesis play was, uh, wasn't a musical, but it was kind of, it was structured like a musical, but instead of music, it was spoken word poetry. And it was this hip hop play called The Vine. And um, it was inspired by a place I grew up at where we used to hang out, where all the gang members and everyone would hang out, but it was where the break dancing competitions, the, not even break dancing, popping and locking, and where everyone was cool with each other. But then two hours later, people who were there would be shooting at each other. It would, it was, but that was like our our special place. And and, and you know, we had like I said, we had like a a, person, a castle like fifteen. There were like break dancing battles between crews on stage, and so I'm like, okay, cool. I you know, you guys can get off my back. And then another theater, like, hey, we'll pay you to write another TY play. I'm like, sure, I need the money. And then more and more. And, and for the first 10 years, any male protagonist, I would name after my my nephew, Alex. So the, like for my first like plays are Alex, all Alex. And um, I started realizing, you know, how I was starting to drink the Kool-Aid and realizing that, you know, I'm not only writing for a youth audience, I'm writing for our, more, our most important audience. And, you know, I know... A lot of my colleagues in LA, our Latino theater alliance, were like, how do we build audiences? And I'm like, you know, 
Um, you know, what are the odds of you're going to get this 40 year old macho Mexican going to see a play and then the rest of his life he'll be singing show tunes? Is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? Maybe not. And so we have to be a little selfless. And if we really want to build uh, audiences, we need to think about the future, not the present. And so we need to start with those youth, because if we could get them loving stories about themselves, then hopefully we can give them loving stories about anyone. And so that's my motivation um, in terms of not only writing, but just my activism, because like I said, our field sucks. Our field sucks when it comes to diversity. And, you know, with, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the white, uh, we see white America movement. And I was one of the original signees. Um, the shift in uh, leadership with people of color in, in, in adult theater is amazing these last two years. But yet in TYA, there's nothing. There's only two artistic directors of color in the entire country in TYA. There are no tenured or tenured track faculty of color in the, like the six, seven programs of TYA that they're out there. And so how can we advocate for youth when we look like Donald Trump's dream world? That just, that's, that's, that doesn't, that doesn't match. And so with TY even more lately, it, it's even less about my playwriting, even though, like I said, I'm still playwriting, but that activism, so like my book, and there's three more coming out in the next four years. Um, it's, it's, you know, and, and my, my editors for, like I said, I'm doing the second volume of, of Palabras, which will hopefully finish in summer. I'm already in the beginning of, uh, an anthology and uh, African-American TYA, and then a superhero one that's connected to a project. And and as me and my coders say, we're not just padding our resumes with these books. This is service to our communities, both our communities of color, but our theatrical communities as well. Wow. So how how do we take what you are, are putting into the books and put it into action. It's well, you know, it, it's connected. Like I said, and for example, when it's used in, in schools, do you have the faculty that can actually teach it? Um, I have a friend at, at Austin. Um, she runs the program. I, I still think she does. We'll see. And, um, and she's like, you know, one <laughs> of your, our teachers is teaching your book. And I'm like, that's great. Is that professor Latina or Latino? No. Have you seen the book? And uh, I'm glad that you're using it, but does that teacher know the difference between Chicano and Mexican, between Mexican and Dominicano, between Dominicano and Cubano, between Cubano and Boricuas, because we're not homogenous, so not all of these are Mexican-American plays. Is that professor going to know those differences in order to teach it? If they're not, are you doing a disservice to those students? And the Latino students will tell you too. Like, hey, that's not what it means. So, you know, like I said, we need to diversify in every areas because they're all interconnected and 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 that's the struggle you know it's great to write this book but if we don't have the faculty who know how to 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 implement what's in there uh not only just the plays but the scholarship it's it's you know it's it's still we're still not getting closer than where we need to and you know and you know i hate when people say change is slow change takes time and the next person who says it to me i'm gonna punch him in the throat figuratively <laughs> And um, just because, you know, it's easy for them to say because the timeline of their change is a timeline from the perspective of the oppressor and not the oppressed. You know? Right. And who's who who are the ones that are saying change takes time? Are they yeah. are, right? Right. Or the allies. And I, like I said, I don't use the word allies anymore. Fuck that shit. The allies is past life. No, if you if you go, if you're if you're down, you got to be an accomplice, not an ally. You know, ally is easy. It's passive. But accomplice, that means you're you're taking a risk to, because you understand what the change is needed. And if you're not, then go away. Don't waste my time. And in all honesty, I'm, I'm at that point where, that, you know, I don't have time for fools. Nope. I'm too old. 
to old. I, I had written that down as something I wanted to ask you about the difference between an accomplice versus an ally. I'd love for you to talk more about what that looks like to you. Yeah, no, it's basically just action. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can talk about being my friend, but if I'm getting my ass kicked, are you going to step in and throw down with me? That's really it. And I know that I'm no, I know there was one we had and and I'm on the board of Children's Theater Foundation America and we had some anti-racism workshops. And one one of the guys, African-American, for name, he's like, I don't like to use the, the word um, accomplice because of he feels that criminalization. It kind of kind of contains that. And his word was uh, disruptor. And I'm like, cool, dude, I get it. That's right. I'm from the hood. I'm using accomplice. I don't care. Yeah. But they're both the same thing. It's about changing that system rather, you know, changing it actively within, then rather than waiting for change to happen because that change isn't going to come in the way we want. And at least not in our lifetime, if we're just waiting. And, you know, you know, my, one of my, my favorite quote about life is um, from Emiliano Zapata. And it's uh, my favorite quote is, and I'm going to get it tattooed soon. Um, I'd rather uh, die on my feet than live on my knees. And that's how I live my life. And so, yeah. I'm really curious about what your experience was like at ASU in the TYA program. Like how many, how many people of color were in that program? What kind of work were you seeing and what did that, how did that inform your own work? So when I was at you, that's a long time ago. So this year it'll, it'll be uh, 19 years since I graduated. Um, and I took, I was in the playwriting program. I wasn't in the TYA program, but like I said, um, if I recall, there weren't a lot of people of color. I think there was one, African-American woman who was a PhD and then in the actual department, Ruthie, I think, a Philipp- she was Filipina and I can't remember any other people of color. And, you know, and it's, you know, and, and that, like I said, that's an issue um, um, because the people of color who are in the field of TY, most of them didn't come through the programs of education. They came through different venues because they didn't have access. And, you know, even for, as I told you about, the bad experience of, of this recent uh, job interview with ASU. And as I was interviewing, I'm like, I know people of color who didn't apply to the job because they don't think they have any chance because you all keep hiring white people. Why should we, you know what I mean? And, and, and for, for faculty of color to already be quitting, um, like I said, I'm doing an anthology about African-American scholarship. There is, there's very little Latino. There's none in African-American, um, you know, studying ac- uh, youth narratives of African-American stories. And and when we had our first meeting with our scholars, some of them were crying, mm-hmm. and three of them in particular, like, "Are you sure you want us in the book?" And we're like, "Yo, what? Wait, what, what? You know, well, you know, we're having trouble getting tenure. We're having trouble finding jobs. We're having trouble getting articles um, published." And I'm like, "You, that's not an indication of your intelligence or creativity. It's an indication of this old white man peer review mentality." And in our book, you bring all your flavor with you because this is our book. And we're going to do our scholarship and our art the way we want to and fuck that. But to have grown ass people crying because they didn't felt they didn't feel like they deserved to be in the book when they did. And because that system has oppressed them so much where they don't even believe that they can contribute because they won't be allowed to contribute. So it's yeah, it's still. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to ask, it's something that we had started to talk about um, before before we hit record and specifically in regards to your um, interview for this position at ASU. Cause I'm, I'm really curious about that. And I, I want to hear more about what happened. Sure. And if this podcast goes out, I hope there are people in the other programs and ASU who hear this shit. Like, what are they going to do? Not hire me. So, uh, <laughs> 
oh well you're you know and um it was I, I was really offended just because and it was already problematic because we're struggling to keep ty programs alive you know and so when the the, the thing came out that said ty and acting there were a lot of people like wait what and um wait so the position was a, a, a ty and acting ty and act okay yeah but when you know when i and so that was already problematic Mm-hmm. Because um, you know ASU has been in the forefront, but it's like, yo, w- there are there are things that are necessary. And one of the things I alluded to was like, um, you know, that this is an important job in our field, and and already you're you're already compromising it by by doing this. And they were very transparent, like you know, well, resources and this is um, basically two for one kind of job, but it's not really because what you're asking in terms of TYA is a two person gig. Then you throw in acting, you know, we need to move forward as a field. This acting is just getting in the way. And it's a reflection that your acting program needs help. And 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 so the interview was very acting heavy. I'm like, yo, what about TYA? We weren't talking about that much. And um, and at the end of the interview, and I was brutally honest, and I don't know if they appreciated it. Oh, I guess they didn't. But um, I said, what is your vision for the the future of TYA? Um, because if you're not as dedicated as I am, then you could already pull my name out. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this, you know. And for example, they have like the archives, the, the children's archives. What's you know? We need that. We need to know our history. Are you guys safeguarding our history? And if you can't, can you give it to someone or put it in a place where it will be? And um, and I, I I could see that department dissolving in some ways just because like yo, there's so much work that we need to do, especially when it comes to diversity. And I've also like. You know, we have so many Ackermans, DEI, now ADEI. I created my own. So, and mine is dire. And even my, 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 uh, one of our, my chair from last year, I don't like that, that the way that sounds good because that's the situation. You should feel uncomfortable. And so it's diversity, uh, inclusive, uh, inclusivity, representation, and equity because representation isn't inherently a part of the other three letters. And it's an acknowledgement that when you see someone who looks like you on that stage or at the front of the classroom or in your curriculum, that there's power in that. And you all are not acknowledging it the way you should. So I'm adding that R. You can take it or leave it. And, and so, you know, and when I got the call, like the, 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 the head of the, the, of the program actually called me um, uh, herself instead of emailing that I didn't get it. I could tell she felt guilty. And, but, you know, in the end, you know, and, and one of the reasons I want I wanted it is I want to be closer to home because my parents are getting my older. My sister's the one taking the brunt and I wanted help. But I also, you know, wanted to be in that space because there's a lack of not only brown bodies, but male bodies as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and we still need more playwriting professors of color. But I felt that I needed to be in that space and um, to be and not only enhance and fix what's happening at ASU in terms of the, you know, making it a stronger program, but making that university a leader in the change that we need. And they, you and their answer reflected everything I needed to know. So it was sad on a personal level for me, but it was more sad on, on our field and that indication, you know, and like I said, I'm doing this huge, I'm actually creating and uh, curating the biggest partnership of theaters that the field that will see. And we're starting right now. And I'm like, oh shit, we could have had ASU as the hub of that, this, and, you know, and they're not going to be really a part of it. And they could have been that home for this, this project that really would have curricularized so much in terms of the grad and undergrad, but also 
made a statement in our field and they chose to, you know, instead of like, hey, how can we have someone who can has a vision and move this program forward? It went down to like, how many acting classes can you teach? How many mm. classes can you teach? And that is a really sad way of looking. And I know their resources are scarce, but you know what? If they're not willing to fight, then then that says something too, you know? And and when I was called, they said, you know, if we had hired you, I don't know if we could have afforded you because it would have been a $25,000 pay cut, which ain't going to happen. But I'm like, it's interesting how you find money for these white special artists to to live there. But for anyone of color, it, it, we can't afford you. But for those, the Michael Rhodes and Liz Lermans, you can pay that money. I'm all right. Okay. You know, and, and ASU has been notorious for salary inequity, especially when it comes to faculty of color. Mm. And not just in theater, throughout the campus. That's been an issue as well. So I ain't surprised, you know. Do you hear that, ASU? I'm talking to you. <laughs> Yeah. We still got to fight. We still have a long way. You know, and the sad thing is, I mean, these programs, I'm not saying they're not doing anything good either. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to say, oh, ASU, you're the devil. No, I ain't saying that. I mean, they are the sun devils. The but, sun devils. <laughs> you know, um, and then I'm not saying they're not doing good work, but the the number one need is to diversify the landscape. Yeah. And they're showing that they don't understand the complexity that is needing to address those things. Right. And you know, they're just flat out not willing to do it. And, you know, and there's a lot of people that feel who talk about it. And like I said, and as we talk about, you know, the, the idea of accomplice supposed to, to an ally. And um, but yeah, and then they're not the only one. It's like I said, they're not the only ones. And I think there's a fear there, too, you know, because these are white, uh, white dominated organizations. And and they feel being white is like, oh, well, who are we to say, Mike? We need you in the conversation, too. Yeah. You know, we all need to be a part of this conversation and it's messy and it's hundreds of years of oppression. You got to deal with that. And and universities, every university in this country, I believe, is steeped in institutional racism to one degree or another, including the one I work at. And so it's, you know, you have to be brave. You know, I mean, we need to if we're not willing, if we tell kids all the time in our stories, you know, be brave, fight. But if we're not willing to fight too, what's the point? That's such a good point. You know? oh. I don't want my dad drinking a beer and he gets mad when I'm smoking a joint. Hey, yo, I say, uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> you drink your beer, I'll smoke my joint. I didn't oh. do that. It's legal in Michigan, so haha. So yeah. <laughs> and um, and so yeah, and it's you know, and it's like I said, you know, it's uh yeah, it I was sad not just for me, but just for our field. Because I worry about that program dissolving and whatever faculty they do have just kind of being ingested into the theater program proper. But that that program, I get nervous. I don't want it to to die. And, you know, and I am fucking pissed. And even I say this in the book, in the intro, um, the reason I'm pissed is because I care. If I didn't care, I'm like, whatever. Okay, I'll find another job or another job. It's not a big deal. But, you know, I did want to be in that job to make a difference. And like I said, I won't get the chance to. I know Guillermo says he's going to retire in a few years. So if that happens, I'll try again. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, we need more people of color. And we talk about pipelines into, you know, and usually it's it's bodies of color in prison, especially male bodies. And I have too many friends in prison. My brother, my brother just got out of prison after 15 years and he was shot and paralyzed by the cops. And um, and so I'm like, why can't we talk about pipelines of, of people of color into our field? What do you think if if there isn't change 
in the field of TYA? Like, what does the future hold for TYA as it's going? Because right now we're seeing the Very Hungry Caterpillar and Dragons Love Tacos and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all of these shows that yeah, are not, um, that are safe shows, right? They're not. They're not. They're very safe. I don't know. I mean, uh, there's it, it, it. Literally, it depends on what day you catch me. Mm-hmm. One day it's like I have all hope in the world, and the other day I'm like, fuck this shit. I either <laughs> win the lottery or marry a rich girl, and fuck y'all. Um, <laughs> and at this point, either option is fine. So, um, but yeah, it's it's. Um, you just have to keep fighting because like activists don't know any other way but to keep on fighting and fighting to the grave. And so I just personally, I just try to do as much within my own power to kind of facilitate that change. And, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's scary sometimes. Um, and like with these plays that they keep doing, like I said, there's nothing wrong with them. I know I'm going, I'm leaving on Tuesday cause I'm directing a play at, in Arizona, the Balloonacy by Barry Kornhauser. Um, and, um, and so I like those plays and child's play is doing schoolhouse rock. I'm like, yo, I want a ticket. And one of my bucket list plays is you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And, uh, <laughs> have the soundtrack i just have never seen it and those things are all right you know but it's it's i i tell people think of it as like that food pyramid tya right now is just is just is just shelling out dessert and the sweets where's the protein where are the vegetables that's what that's the way we need to look at it nothing wrong with the velveteen rabbit when that mama spider dies in charlotte's web i'm like no mama no so those are bad but that's not the entirety and when we see what tya is in africa in asia in europe where they actually relate to kids as human beings and not little bodies. That's the shift we also need to make on top of diversity, just how we deal with kids. And, and, and especially as you get older, because I think the kids that get screwed over the most in TYA are high school age kids, mm-hmm. of subject matter. And, you know, and TYA over here is the gatekeepers. All it takes is one parent to complain right. about the, the play with the two male penguins taking care of the egg, Oh my gosh. you know, to shoot shit down. And so, it's about how do we, like I said, make that change there. And like I said, and I think, you know, for each of us, we have to start individually. What are we doing? And then let's see how we're doing collectively. So at least I know I'm trying. And at least I could look, you know, look at myself in the mirror with some some like, okay. But it, we have to all buy in because it takes a village. And, and like I said, some days I'm more hopeful than others. And I wish I had a different answer. But right now that's that's the most honest answer I could give. Speaking of, of plays that are not dessert, but are nourishment for the soul. Can we talk about La Ofrenda? Yeah, um, that was like my very first one that, yeah. I, I hope you guys know who Jose Cruz Gonzalez is. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, he, our he was season, like, uh, who was he? What season? We season interviewed three. season three. Yeah. Yeah, And he's like one of my best friends in the world and my mentor literally every year on my birthday. And he wakes up really early. This is the only bad thing. But every year on my birthday, he like he'll call me and he'll play the guitar and sing me Las Mañanitas. And uh, and so um, he, well, like I said, um, I'd gone to the Bonderman as a, uh, the, this playwriting word that now is right now that I hate that name. But um, and so I was a semi-finalist. I went, it's cool. And then uh, the next one came up and like, Jose, you got to write something. Fuck, dude, I know I don't want to write shit. I'm tired. Dude, come on. And he kept bugging me and bugging me. I'm like, okay, I'll write something. But it was a week before the deadline. So the woman who ran the Bonderman, Dorothy Webb, um, this white woman in Indianapolis who started a, a program in IUPUI, if more people in our field were like her, 
we'd have we'd be much better. We'd be much farther ahead. And so I called her. I'm like, yo, Dorothy, this is going to be late. Do you mind? No, Cece, you can do it late. I'm like, all right, cool. And so then but I didn't know what play to write. And so me and Jose met at this really famous diner in downtown L.A., a Philippe's. And we just start like just kind of brainstorming. And and I've always loved Zoot Suit. And I always wanted to do a character kind of inspired by El Pachuco. So that's where I came up with the idea of of Califas, the skeleton homeboy with the and it literally just started from there and created the story about this little boy and and the rest is history. And if I hadn't written that play, honestly, I don't know where I'd be right now. Uh, you know, because that was the first one that got me noticed. And uh and I love the play and it still resonates. And so yeah. Still, it still resonates, and I have to tell you, I've been watching a lot of TYA lately. The what I love about your play is it's not like uh, Abuelita has her flaws, right? Yeah. She's oh, yeah. not, and he calls her on it, right? Because he's oh, yeah. like, you, you know, you're saying love everyone, but like, look at how you talk about my dad, yeah. you know? And then she like has that moment, which was like, right, where she like, you know, yeah, one of like those. Uh, for the next few years is to actually uh, adapt it into a screenplay. Oh, God. And okay. you know what I love about, okay, so, so like, like I said, I've been watching a lot of TYA and they're like, the message, and well, you know, if you're going to be a good friend, you should blah, 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 blah. And like, oh, bullying is blah, 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 blah. That is not present in your play. And yet we get so much out of it. And I love the final moment. I don't want to spoil it because y'all need to read this play or watch it. Yeah, go buy it. Yeah. I need to <laughs> Well, and, and, and while you're at it, buy, you know, because if you buy yeah. the book, you're going to get yeah. a bunch and of like other plays. Yeah. I think that, that that is the kind of TYA. Because I think when people think of TYA, they think of like these very didactic, like, oh, eat your vegetables. And I guess there's a space for that. But man, the, that kind of TYA, the kind of TYA that has you bawling yeah. and like, you're like, I need a moment. Don't talk to me right now. I just need to like be. Like kids need that. Adults need this is a that's a family play, dude. That's not yeah. a, that's not that's not just for little kids. That's for like everybody. You know, and there's great writers for the African American anthology. We have one play for the little little kids about racism, and the name of the play, and it's unpublished, is uh when good broccoli goes bad. So it's a play about race, but with vegetables and fruits dealing with racism, even though we don't use the word racism. So, you know, there are so much talented writers. That's like with my books. You know, I've never, you know, I'm not trying to compete with other writers. I'm trying to uplift other writers. So with the first book, it was scholarship and and plays. Um, the second volume, like I said, we're hoping to finish it by the end of the summer, is focused on plays, playwrights, especially unpublished new playwrights, because it's addressing the fact that if these plays don't get produced, they don't get published, and then people don't have access to them. Right. You know, and then with the African-American anthology, we're, we're, we're mimicking the first book just because there is no scholarship in, in African-American TYA. And so, you know, it I, this just came out of nowhere and it's just happening, it's overcoming. And then, like I said, um, this superhero project, that's gonna, like I said, it's gonna be the biggest collaboration in the field's history. I hope it happens, we'll see. But, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard about Reimagine that's happened this past year in TYA. Uh, Mavelle was one of the re grant recipients. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, one of the things I loved about it, um, but uh, even though they didn't accept my play, Bastards, you, Idris, did you hear oh. that? I love you anyway. Um, um, Sorry. It wasn't a production, guaranteed production. And too many times theaters, both TYA or adult, they get this diversity grant money, but then they don't produce it. So um, 
what inspired it, I was watching, uh, it's almost a year from this moment, um, a super, um, if you see my wall and I have superhero tattoos all over me, um, I love superheroes. And so they were doing a virtual conference out of DePaul and one of my colleagues who's not UT Austin uh, was doing a session. I'm like, man, I love super, they kick. And so I wrote to Dramatic Publishing and I'm like, hey, I'm going to get some BIPOC writers and we're going to do superhero plays about BIPOC superheroes. When we're done, would you look at it and maybe consider publishing it? And within 45 minutes, like we will publish it, not knowing the playwrights or anything. And so the goal was to get eight playwrights, just like it reimagined. And then I'm like, that's not enough. And I remember what the minute I decided this, I looked in the mirror and I started cussing at myself saying, do you not have enough shit on your plate right now? And so the goal was to convince theaters to uh, commission, develop and produce these plays and the, that the money is on them. But once we established who and what, that it would be my goal to um, try to get money to subsidize as much as I could for them. Um, and because, you know, some of the theaters don't have, because the first theater that jumped on was the Kennedy center mm-hmm. and not most of the theaters don't have Kennedy center money. Right. So I wanted to like, right. Hey, I want to try to get as much. So, and basically everything, but the production, if I could find enough money to subsidize everything. And so the goal was eight. Um, and this week I'm actually sending out, we're going to try to pair up the, the playwrights now. Um, the goal was to get eight organizations, theaters, we have 18. And so it's going to be 15. The goal is by 24, 25, have a theater festival across the entire country. And it's, uh, like I said, 13 plays, two co-productions. And we have theaters all the way from D.C. and the Kennedy Center to Honolulu Youth Theater. So that year it's going to be all. And so and it's all BIPOC writers. So we have uh, Latinx. We have African-American. We have Asian, Asian Pacific Islanders. Uh, Iranian uh, indigenous playwrights, 16 wonderful artists. And it's just going to be a year of BIPOC superhero plays. And we're, we're uh, partnering up with TYUSA. So uh, their conference 2014, we're going to get all the playwrights and we're going to do uh, uh, read all excerpts from all the plays. And I'm kind of even more excited because then if there's a teacher in Atlanta, like, yo, I know a, a school superintendent in, in Seattle they need to see this or in, uh, in, in San Antonio or Milwaukee or Honolulu, they could spread the word. Plus the other theaters can see what the other theaters in the thing are doing. And then in 2015 in Arizona, um, hopefully it looks like two of the plays are in Phoenix. They'll be produced during the conference. And, and one of the things I want is like dialogue. And so these are two very different theaters. One is mainstream. The other isn't. And for people to come and say, yo, let's look at these differences and what is the future? Which model will serve us better? So creating these dialogues and also, you know, forcing uh, the questions to these theaters. Are you using directors of color, dramaturgs of color? How are you communicating or incorporating this with schools or are you? This it has to be more than just producing plays. And so once that's over, they're guaranteed um, they're going to be published in an anthology. And I'm talking with my publisher Cause I also want to challenge the publishing company because none of the playwrights are making money off of the anthology. And we've all said, Hey, this is what we need. And there's, there is value in, in a play that really hasn't been produced getting out there. I think there is some, well, some value. So it's not like they're ripping us off, but I want to challenge the, my publisher to produce each of them individually. So then playwrights can, you know, I think that's also a huge statement. So we'll see if this festival doesn't kill me. Well, you know, and it doesn't implode, but right now, the next three years, that's the goal is to make this happen. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Wait, it, that's in 24, 25? That's is the that what goal you said? Producing okay. Plays? Yeah. 
So hopefully by the end of this summer, we'll have aligned the playwrights with the theater and then late fall, early winter, do a public official announcement that this is happening. So send out, you know, positive vibes like the candles. Yeah. Like those V-Hint candles, man. We need to well, one thing Mabel and I like to do is we like to travel to see theater. So we, yeah. we will. Oh, yeah. No, my goal is travel, to see, go, my go goal to is to see everyone when it was eight theaters. I'm like, yeah, when it's 18, it's like, oh, shit, we'll oh, see. That's but I will go to the Honolulu Youth one. That one, that uh, one we'll go to. I, I don't know. It'd be really tough. On I you. know, you, you know, know and, uh, weather. Uh. And so, yeah. So like I said, and I think, you know, it also addresses new play, like we're talking new work. Yes. Um, because, you know, um, a lot of people aren't going to know some of the playwrights or all of the playwrights, but they do knew what superhero does. And, yeah. you know, I'm doing a de- uh, development thing with Florida studio theater and, and uh, they asked me, to write a play about something in public domain. And it's like, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, and they let me choose, but they were throwing out these titles. I'm like, yo, man, I ain't feeling this shit. And then I'm like, well, what about Frankenstein? Like, yeah, we'll do Frankenstein. <laughs> and the first draft was a piece of shit. It was, uh, <laughs> it was horrible. But then I, I was struggling and, you know, because it's a new work, but then I realized if I just have Frankenstein in the title, I could really write whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> People are just going to see Frankenstein. Right. And so that's that's that subversive thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kovac from who used to be at the Kennedy Center, like you need to be subversive without them knowing you're subversive. (laughs) And so um, and so um, with the second draft, much better. And um, um, and and it was like, okay, I'm and so there is a Frankenstein monster that is created and it's actually created uh, um, on Dia de los Muertos. And with Dia de los Muertos permanent makeup on its face. And and the, the person who creates them is a little girl, uh, a super scientist um, who's a, who, who lives with her abuelito, but she feels isolated and alone because her parents are also super scientists, but they're all over the world doing their science and leaving her alone. And her she loves her abuelo, but she still feels like my parents don't love me. Mm-hmm. I need to prove that I can be as smart as them. You know, and the kids at school think she's this weirdo emo kid and, and so they don't like her. So she comes up with this idea, like, I'm going to build this monster and everyone will 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 love me and I'll be, everyone will like me. But then the monster scares, I would do, they scares the shit out of everyone at the, at the science fair. <laughs> and so, and then eventually at the end, and it's not really even a long point, it's just a moment where the monster, because she feels she's, it's really a play about a little girl who feels like a monster. And in the end, it's the monster that creates, that creates her that says, no, you're not, you're not a monster. And and so that's really the story. It's not about the monster and uh, it's about that little girl who 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 wants to feel acknowledged in this world. But like I said, I had to be tricky and just fucking put that Frankenstein. And so we'll see how that. Hopefully that play progresses. We'll see. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, it sounds fun. Oh yeah, no, I want to play the monster, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play the monster. Yes. It was like, did you ever do any kind of acting, or are you? Did you when like I get into this? College, I tried, and you know, like for La Frenda, I've wanted to play Califas for the longest time, but and that they're like, like, and they, the theaters have actually like, hey, really? But because of my schedule, I've never been able to play it. But mm. I want to play that one, and um, and uh, a couple others. But my, uh, I have a play that's about to get published called JJ's Place. That was actually inspired by this arcade a kid made in East LA, um, uh, Kane's Arcade, and so there's a character there too. And like with Khalifa's and it's like my friends, like yo, these characters remind us of someone. I'm like I don't know what you're talking. About. 
I oh, talking about. So there's a few of my plays that if I get to play uh, certain characters, I would. I don't really act anymore, but for these plays, I I, I would like to. And even the monster, because the monster is fun and and it's so sweet as the monster is just trying to acquire language. And so like that first scene, like when you know, you know what happening. There's the you know. It, it's like a newborn baby, and there's a uh, there's a song by uh, um, this group named Malo called Suavecita, ah, or Suavecita, and and so he's like, what? I'm I'm born, and 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 so he accidentally pushes uh, uh, the record player on the altar, and it starts to play. And even though the monster doesn't know it, he has like a bunny or something that he saw, and he starts dancing with the bunny to Suavecito, because that was the favorite song between the abuelito and the abuela. Mm-hmm. And so even, you know, and little things, I also love being able to tell stories of my culture and my, and my gente. Mm-hmm. And so little things like that always make me feel happy. And, and, and I want to write that for my community, but I also want other communities to say like, you know, we all, you know, I tell my students, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight, brown or black, like, you know, like I said, if I ask a girl out and she says, no, it don't matter what my identity is. It sucks. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's about just those those moments that even though they're specific, those moments that anyone can can relate to and empathize with, you know? Absolutely. But I think what you just said is is what I'm doing my research on is I'm doing about micro affirmations in uh, uh, TYA for for Chicanx students. But and so and when I was reading your play and I saw like, hi, Chihuahua, I'm like, you know, you only know like that is such a specific oh, yeah. Mexican expression. But I felt such joy seeing that because it's like, like here I'm home, you know, and yeah. how important is that for for young people to see themselves? Because it's the yeah. thing it's like in TYA, when you think of when you think of theater in general, right, we get Romeo and Juliet in high school. Right. So my question to you is what can educators so not even thinking about the, the professional industry, but what can educators like at the high school level, at the middle school yeah. level, even at the elementary school level do to 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 help to help yeah. their students, introduce their students so that we don't have to wait till college. Because we keep hearing exactly. the story. We interview all of these BIPOC playwrights and thematically, Tori, right? We can say that, oh, I didn't I didn't even know theater was a thing until I got to college. So Same here, like I said. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's all tied into access. Like I said, if these theaters are producing it and the plays are getting published, those teachers don't know how to do it. And there's a specific story. Um, uh um, I have, we just finished a play last week and called one of my plays and it won all the TY awards called somebody's children about homeless kids in motels next to Disneyland. And these are based mm. on real stories. And so we just finished it and it broke my heart because our, our, our depart, our production people don't know. And our, our department doesn't know how to market to communities of color, not even outside the university, but within the university and we need to get better. So we didn't have the greatest houses, but everyone was blown away. And, and, you know, and, and, there's a story attached and I even have a picture of the group right there. Um, this high school did the play and it was, they were our sister school back in the day. So I went to an all boys school and their girls would come and cheerlead for our sports teams. Now it's a co-ed school. And I found out they had done it. I'm like, damn, man, that would have been cool. I would have gone to East LA and watched it and shit. And, um, and I, I emailed the teacher who directed it and I, Oh, I hope it went well. I, you know, you guys were our sister school. She's like, showed the email to her, her, the cast. And they're like, you need to come and see the cast. They want to talk to you. <laughs> I'm like, all right, sure. Whatever. And, and, and so I drive out there and I didn't know until I got there that the school had been so inspired by the play that they did at, like eight drives to help out the homeless committee, community in East LA with, you know, wow. toothbrushes, toilet paper, socks. I'm like, Oh wow. That's, that's cool. 
And I start to talk to the kids and they're like, oh my God. The first five minutes, it was just silence. They're like, Ugh. and then the floodgates opened and they couldn't shut up. And it was really, as a playwright, it was really one of my favorite moments. And so two of the girls were on speakerphone because they had done the play in at the end of the year. And those girls were now freshmen um, in college. So, you know, and so we're talking and then one of the girls, she's like, she started telling the story and, and, um, they were talking about how in the middle of rehearsal, she had lost it. She just lost it, was crying and shit. And there, and the rest of the cast and the crew and the director, like, Hey, what's wrong? And this is the first time, um, she had ever said this to anyone at the school. She's like, you know, four or five years earlier, she literally was one of those motel kids at Disneyland. And here she is portraying this role and just losing it. And, you know, and I'm just like, fuck, man, I got a reputation. Cabrones, <laughs> crying. Ugh, I'm about to loco. And, um, and it just, and, and, you know, and just, you know, that's why we write. And that young girl um, will be graduating college this year. Mm-hmm. A hopeless, you know, motel girl who did this play is now going to be graduating college. And so, you know, but like that teacher said, I don't know how to find scripts. I don't know where they're at. And so it's hard for me to, to, to do that. And I think theater, like I've done an adaptation of Antigone, um, a Latina one, a hip hop one called Atonia. And we did a site specific in Phoenix. And I'm like, I don't think Shakespeare and the Greeks should be your first experience in theater. But if it's going to be, I created Antonia to kind of be that bridge. And so people don't realize that like, Almost half of it is actually from the the text, but I, I infuse it with hip hop, and people don't notice. Mm-hmm. You know? and so you know, it's it's how you know how do we do it? But like I said, it's it's you know, publishers, theaters. I don't think they understand that they're not just producing their shows; they they are creating uh, a catalog, but the catalog is really limited, and and they need to. If they don't do their job, these teachers and these schools aren't going to have access to the place they could that would that would entertain and engage and inspire these kids there, you know, the, you know, there's only so much can they do if they don't have the access and the resources to find out the information and to find out where these plays are, you know? Yeah. So where, where did we find somebody's kids? I want to read it. Oh, it's on dramatic publishing. It's, it's okay. All right. And it's, it's somebody's children. Yeah. And like I said, and, and this cast seeing the kids grow, you know, and, and getting emails from other actors of color here saying, this has been the most, we don't, I, I haven't seen myself like this on our stages, mm. you know, and the, like I said, and to see the young actors growing and, and working with such a great, the director was an alum from Mexico city and we're actually taking the play in September to a festival in Mexico city. Oh, so the entire cast oh, all going oh, wow. to Mexico city. And, uh, and you know, those experiences too, for college kids, um, my, I did a documentary wow. piece about the water crisis in Flint, Michigan, and which was hard because it's 100 percent verbatim from the people suffering and dealing with it. And we were going to take it to South Africa to a festival and then COVID hit. Mm. Mm. Also, these like I said, these kind of experiences for our kids and and stuff. So. Um, so, yeah, it's it's and, you know, and, and the thing that I hate about somebody's children is this is the first time I've been I've seen it produced. And it was written 13, 14 years ago. And it's the first time I've ever seen it produced. And it can win all these awards. And but no one is producing it even though everyone who's ever seen it has just been blown away, you know, and even one of the girls from that cast, the high school, one I just told you about, um, I applied a few years ago for Jose Cruz's job. Um, I was the best one for the job and it was going to bring me home and I didn't get it. And then later I found out it was because the chair didn't like me and nothing to do with my resume. And one of the girls who was on a crew for that at Cal State when I was applying, doing my job talk, 
she stands up like, hey, do you remember me? You did the play. You know, we did your play. I'm like, oh, shit, your picture is in my office and you're literally right behind me. It's right here. <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, and and she says, I just want to thank you because you're the reason my cast in L.A. You're the reason I'm doing theater. And I still didn't get the job. I'm like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, but, it, you know, and, and I tell my students, you know, whether you're an actor or writer, you know, there are going to be times where people come up to you and say, man, your work has changed my life. But there's going to be many more who feel the same way, but they're never going to come up to you. Yeah. So always know that the work you're doing as an artist, you're inspiring and changing lives, even if they don't directly come to you. Just know that that's happening because you need it. You need those moments when, you know, you're trying to find a buy a hot dog and you don't have no money in your pockets. You need those moments in order to to make those empty pockets worth it. You know? Ugh, yeah, so true. And I'm sorry, I called it somebody's kids, but it's somebody's children. Yeah, it's all right. It's all okay. good. Potato, potato. You know, it's all good. <laughs> no, it matters. It matters. Um, and and I was curious. So it, that play is it written for high school students yes. to perform? Mm-hmm. And that was oh, nice cool. too. Seeing our students portray characters that are their own age and not playing another 60, 70, 80 years. Because most of the characters they play here are twenty to. 40 years older than what, who they are mm-hmm. and for them to see. And, 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 you know, and, you know, and I'm, I'm proud of, and I didn't suggest this play. My, our, 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 our last chair did. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, go, I'm biased, go for it. And, but it was nice to see them doing that. And I, I feel fortunate that I'm teaching in a department that, that is, you know, has, you know, we'll do a TYA play, you know, it's, it's yours, but we'll support it. And so that's also been really great as a faculty member here that, and they've supported me my entire time here. And so for them to say, we'll do a TY play, even if it doesn't make big house, I appreciate that too, you know? So our students can, can see it. And, 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 uh, and like I said, and for me to see it for the first time, produce fully produce was amazing. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And when was that? How long ago was that? I just ended this uh, last weekend. <sighs> and, 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 the, and, and yeah. And the, and we don't have a grad program and the student designers, the lighting designer, um, the set designer, it's as good as any professional set I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is an undergrad and he did an amazing, amazing job with the set. It was just gorgeous. Like I said, that's been great. And like I said, I have all these projects and hopefully, like I said, you know, with the Frankenstein, you know, with the JJ's place that's going to be published um, and the books. Um, like I said, it's, 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 it's less about writing plays or at least with the books. It's not about writing books. It's about, uh, creating resources for the field. Yeah, absolutely. That's a better way of, 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 of saying it, yeah. Jose Cruz Gonzalez talked about mentorship. And I know that he is one of your mentors. Can you talk about your mentorship? Because I'm imagining from everything I'm hearing that you are also- I, 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 You know, yeah, I try to. I, you know, I talk to a lot of students of color who come to me and most of them aren't even my students. You know, um, I, I get kids from uh, who are like undocumented who come to me like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, you're you're not my student, but you're my student. And so I always make myself available to all my students. I tell them when they graduate, you know, you're stuck with me for the rest of your life. So whenever you need anything, just like Jose is. And and Jose, like I said, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here because I switched majors. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? I made my dad cry. My parents are happy. My whole neighborhood was in shock. And I'm going to go back to poli sci and this is 1991. And so it was right before my last year and I didn't know anyone. So I wrote to a bunch of Latino artists in LA, like, Hey, 
I'm not asking. I just want consejos. I just, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, did I do something stupid? And I sent, typed out, and back in the day, typed out like 50 letters, and, and only three people responded. Um, one was Jose Salcedo, who used to work for the uh, Mark Taper Forum. And beautiful. So he was amazing. And, and he died of AIDS not that long after we spoke. Um, this performance artist slash muralist named Gronk, who was weird as fuck, but awesome. And then Jose Cruz. And and we talked, and then that's that that summer, he he invited me to be an intern at the at that time was the Hispanic Playwrights Project at South Coast Rep. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then he was a teacher of mine for my first graduate program, and and he's just been there, and you know, and I've always followed his lead, and you know, he always pays for fucking every meal. I shit you not, I'm like, <laughs> dude, let me pay. And he always like, you know, when I'm like, like, dude, let me pay. You're unemployed. Okay, even at Michigan, dude, let me pay. You got student loans. I'm like, dude, and every once in a while he'll let me pay. Usually it's because it's his birthday. And so, like, I'll take him to a meal or a Dodger game. And now that he's moved to Central Coast, now I know I won't be able to get him to another Dodger game. So at least at least let me pay for a meal. And he's like, you know, man, when you're talking with the student, if you're at that coffee house or a pizza place, you know, you don't let them pay for that coffee. You don't let them pay for that piece of slice. If, you know, if you do that, then that's how you pay me back by not letting them pay. And so I've just taken that to heart, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. I think he is the 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 kindest human being yep. we've ever and met. Sometimes I get mad at him, too. I'm like, dude, you're too nice. People take advantage. <laughs> Come on, dude. And But he's he's just... Yeah, that's Jose. I mean, yeah. he's 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 the equivalent of just human sweetness. Yes, and so, uh, and, yeah, you know, he is. You know what? I mean, he's like that with everyone. You uh, know, whether it's his students or other artists in the community, Jose is. You know, he's just a giver. That's who he is. He can't help not being that person, man. And and I think that's why so many people. You know, I remember in grad school. I mentioned, yeah, you know, my friend Jose. Wait, who? Jose Cruz? Man, I thought the it was like Elvis. I thought the girls in my class were gonna throw panties out. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nice playwright. You could throw your panties at me. <laughs> I mentioned Jose Cruz, and this is like, like Elvis and like marry me. I'm like, man, that ain't right. That ain't right. Come on. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's just, you know, he's, you know, like I said, he's gonna be, he's gonna be remembered less for being a playwright and more for just being a good human being when all mm-hmm. is done. You know? Yeah. So do you have a writing exercise that you could uh, throw out to the people? Let's see. I'm thinking of the ones that I do with my students. Okay. Um, think of, I, I tell this one, and I, I love doing this in playwriting, where they have to do, because uh, um, in intro, they, they don't do more than 10-minute plays in that class. And so each week we uh, play a character or something. So uh, one of the things I do, it's the first two weeks they, where they start writing. So one week they have to think of the word they love the most and write a play with that word in mind. And then the next week, the word they hate the most and write a play about that. And with the hate, that, that one can get tricky because like, you know, curse words and stuff like, and the one word I hate the most, I'm not going to say it, but it's the C word. And I'm mm. like, play about that. Doesn't mean you have to use it in the play, but write a play that is inspired by the word you hate the most in this world and the one you love the most. And some of the words have been, and usually love and hate. I'm like, oh, really, y'all? Come on. But, you know, um, you know, um, a band, you know, like I said, some of the words that they use have been like just heartbreaking and also like, wow. 
you know, it's it's amazing. So I would say write two really short little plays, but one inspired by your favorite word and one by your least favorite word. Yeah. Love it. That's fantastic. That's such a that's such a cool thing. Tori, that's totally up your out. Tori is the queen of the 10 minute form of the short form. I love 10 minutes. It's my jam. <laughs> I really, I, I mean, I you, could, you know, you could say so much. And actually, you know, one of our students, an acting senior, African-American girl, um, last year I taught uh, TY playwriting. So I have everyone from the field and Susan and all these people say a bunch of people talk to them. And so she, and then we, uh, uh, that, that class, we also work with the puppetry class. So all their plays had to be puppet plays. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a beautiful one that was just really insightful. And so for our African-American anthology, we've asked her to, we're like, we're going to publish her play in that, but we also want you to write a short essay about what it means to be young and black and even thinking about a career in TYA. You don't even have to you, you may not never write another TYA. What are your thoughts as a young black woman in storytelling in that field? And just throw it. And, and, and so we're including that with her play in the anthology with all these established, you know, because in the book, we got Gloria Bon Clooney, Idris, me. And one of the things we found that, you know, for finding plays that was really difficult, even more than Latino uh, books we've been doing, is that the big theaters only want to do plays on three subjects, it seems. Slavery, civil rights, and hip hop. And not that those aren't important subjects. We have one of each in the book, but there are so many different subjects. So two writers are specific. Like, so we have one writer who's doing a play. We're asking him to write it for the anthology about environmental racism. And it like, and it's about, you know, poor people, black, white, and every living like in a West Virginia kind of town and where the, the people are being poisoned. And it revolves around a basketball team where one of the girls on the basketball team dies on the court within the first 10 minutes of the play. You're like, dude. Mm. And it's about how the community is fighting, how the team is like, they're a championship team. And at the end, right when they start the championship team of the game, they, 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 they boycott at the game. Like, no, our, our friend has died. You know, I'm writing one for the anthology that deals with both mental health and Afro-Latinidad. Mm. You know, um, but then some of the other plays that we've gotten that are unpublished. Oh, my God. Um, like I said, you know, when Good Broccoli Goes Bad, a play about racism. And it's a musical to boot. Oh, wow. About racism and broccoli that's gone bad, that bastard. And then uh, and we have another one, um, How to Eat an Oreo. And it's a two person play about um, these two teenagers who don't fit what African-American youth look like so one is lesbian and the other one is a male who who overweight with body issues and these are the that's played between those two identities we need to do that and so yeah it's it's also not only about telling stories of color but as diverse a stories color because we're not all homogenous we have different stories you know there are rich black folk there are poor black folk there are middle same with latinos and asian stuff there's a whole breath so yeah you know, to I'm, I went on a tangent. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's those those are so important. So important, Jose. Where can people find you if you want to be found? Do you want to be found? Yeah, no. Um, they can like I said, uh, my work that's published on Dramatic Publishing, but I also have a website, um, www.brownplaywright.com, and which I love. And it's, there's a funny story with Brown Playwright that's really kind of offensive when it comes to to, to institutions. Um, when I, I applied to Arizona State, I also applied to Brown University. And so I get an email like, you know, thank you for, you know, applying, but we really want to encourage you not to promote you being here until you get here. I'm like, 
fuck you. I'm a brown playwright. But literally, they thought <gasps> I was like, like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. bastards. And so on my website, you know, you have all my work, but also um, <laughs> on my website, you can see the production of Flint that we did about the water crisis. It's on my website, the entire tour. Mm. Oh, cool. And, uh, and so, which was also another great experience, even for our kids, because, um, you know, it's a community an hour away from here that still is struggling. And we did a live stream because they didn't have access and they were going to come to Michigan to see it. And we actually took it there in the community center and the kids almost quit. Because not because, like, you know, we don't want to go to Flint. It's just like, you know, they do a Shakespeare play and then they go with their friends and have beer and pizza because it's college and that's what you should do. You know, but they they were like, you know, I don't want to go and eat beer and pizza because I've just portrayed someone who might even be in the audience. And how can I eat beer and pizza when they don't have water? They don't have a home. They're struggling. And so it was really hard, but they did it. I think it was a really great experience for those kids. So it's also not only the work we do, but how we ingrain kids to not only think about art as art, but art as activism, you know? So, yeah. Yes. Yes to all of that. Talking, I'm sorry. It's only going to be an hour and I keep like not shutting up. So I apologize. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's all so good. All right. Yes. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, your passion for um, lifting up others and activism, uh, all of it, it just, it comes through in what you talk and how you are delivering the information to us. Like it, it was just an incredible conversation and we're so grateful that you took time out on Easter Sunday. Oh, I'm a recovering yeah. Catholic, so I don't really celebrate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're here, so that's what that, that's what I, I appreciate it. Thank you right, so much. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm speechless, really, in a way, because it was such an incredible conversation, and um, there were so many moments where I felt like I just needed to pause to digest what Jose said uh, and just so, so much value. And, and I do hope that other TYA educators, uh, playwrights, producers, well, everyone really listens to that so that they can truly start to understand what, what needs to be done. Yeah. And it's, you and know? it's hard conversations that need yes. to happen. And these are not, these are, it's not, it's not pretty, but I think that's the thing that we need to get over is that if we're going to make change, I think it was Michelle Obama said disagreement is necessary to make change happen. Right. So it's okay if we're going to disagree, but we have to have these, these uncomfortable moments to move forward. But also I, I really appreciated how, uh, Jose candidly shared his experiences, even recent ones, with going through a job right. interviews and what's happening in the field of TYA that could be to the detriment of the field. Not just the detriment of the field, but the detriment of the audiences, because who are the audiences? Young people. So it's the detriment of the young people, really. Because yes. who, at the end of the day, is missing out when you're not having representation, both at the at the makers level, at the you know the playwrights, the 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 uh, performers, um, and the, even the audiences, right? 
there's no there's no diversity in, in audiences oftentimes. I mean, we've talked about this. But man, I have to tell you, Tori, there is so much there that I just want to spend more time with this conversation. So um, he said he's coming to San Diego. I I mean, I, I'm gonna we're gonna keep following up with that and <laughs> just like let's go hang out. <laughs> We are, we are stalkers. We are stalkers. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm super excited to continue the conversations about TYA happening this week. Um, I know that you have to finish or start, start packing. Start. You have to start packing. I have to finish packing. So, uh, so I think we just, we just end on this, on this note of urgency that we need to get our bags packed and, and, and get ready to, to hit the road. Yes. And with that, bye, playwright. Bye, playwright. <laughs>